0: Live from Southern California,
1: this is the Jim Rome Show.
0: Finally, it happened, Cowboy Nation. Your beloved Cowboys finally beat a good team. How about them Cowboys? Yeah! Then again, did they really? Did they beat a good team, or did they not? Seriously. What do we even call the Eagles right about now, other than a team that just got their asses lit up on national TV last night again? Who are they? What are they really? We're talking about a team that got the crap kicked out of them two weeks in a row. Yes, the Eagles are still 10-3, and but they had a couple of measuring stick games, barometers, and not only did they not measure up, they didn't even compete. No shame in losing to teams like Frisco and Dallas, but lots of shame in getting blown out the way they were. All of a sudden now, Philly looks broken. Philly looks miserable. Philly looks dysfunctional on both sides of the ball. They're just not trending in the right direction right now. They're trending straight off a cliff. This is not the time of year to have that happen. Again, losing is one thing. Getting absolutely hammered is another. And getting absolutely hammered by the two other legitimate NFC contenders in back-to-back weeks is a terrible look. And a real red flag. Even for a team that was 10-1 and two weeks ago. I mean, especially for a team that was 10-1 and two weeks ago. So Eagles coach Nick Sirianni can try to sell us on the fact that adversity is a good thing. But it's pretty hard to buy what this guy's selling when getting your butts kicked in back-to-back weeks is what went down. How is that actually a good thing,
1: Coach? I know that everybody that's in that locker room has been through in their lives and um, has made it to this point. They've made it to this point because they've been through. And so that adversity has made a lot of us in in that locker room where we are today. And we got to remember that. We got to internalize that. And we got to, you know, make sure that the adversity that we're facing right now, we, we are, we're able to, uh, to get through and uh, make sure we get better from it.
0: Why do I think they're all sitting around playing rock, paper, scissors? Hey, whatever works for you, coach. I can't believe this guy's pushing the adversity angle and not just reminding that team of the most important principle of Eagles football. Less thinking equals talent takeover. Less
1: thinking equals talent takeover.
0: Because clearly the talent is not taking over right now. So I guess somebody's doing way too much thinking.
1: Where's the camera?
0: I'm not sure. I'm not sure I've ever seen such a miserable or lost 10-3 and team. Meanwhile, things could not be any more different on the Dallas side. I'm not sure I've ever seen the big fella, Big Mike. So giddy and so geeked as he was last night. I mean, was he still high from the anesthesia or whatever the meds they gave this guy after that midweek procedure? I mean, did someone promise him his own private prime rib buffet after that dub? Because this dude looked damn near delirious. I mean, he was ear to ear with it. I've never seen that dude look like that. So was it the drugs? Was it the free primary buffet? What was it? Because I've never seen that dude look like that. And he wasn't the only one either. Far from it. I'm not sure I've ever seen Cowboy Hawk and Cowboy Owner and Cowboy Quarterback so geeked either. However, I'm not here to hate. I cannot take it away from them. That was an enormous win for the Cowboys. I'm just saying you would have almost thought that they clinched the NFC Championship last night or a full-blown Lombardi last night. Cowboy fan is full on feeling himself and Big Mike's walking around grinning ear to ear and Jarrah is declaring that Dak has become the MVP right in front of our eyes. All of these things. But I do have to admit, Dak is balling out. Dak has had his doubters over the years and for good reason. But right now, he is the Vegas favorite to win MVP for a reason. Granted, that seems to change every single week. But Dak is no longer whack. And Big Mike should get some credit for getting his appendix snatched out midweek and still doing a way better job of game planning and getting his team ready for Philadelphia. He did a way better job than anybody on that Eagles sideline. When was the last time you thought that you would hear something like that about Big Mike? Big Mike had a legit surgery. Micah Parsons had a legit flu. And both of these dudes got the job done anyway. I would say they both passed the so-called sissy challenge this week. This
2: is week. the spicy challenge, not the sissy challenge.
0: Even if Jarrah still hit Parsons with a, quote, sick my ass in the tunnel after the game. Sick my ass. Sick my ass. ass. Jared Patrick feeling it too. They all were. Of course, Jarrah and Big Mike and Dak and Cowboy fan are all in the best of moods right about now. They finally have a legitimate win that they can point to. I think. Because finally, they beat somebody good. Sort of. Kind of. I mean, what exactly did they beat? We don't know. I just know they had to have it, and they got it. It's kind of like what happened in KC yesterday. Buffalo finally closed out a big win. Or was it? I mean, any game at this point is a big win for them as they try to stay alive and keep their season alive. But a win over KC now is not worth what a win over KC was earlier in the year or even the last couple of years. And by the way, they nearly gave it all back again. Only after giving up yet another potential backbreaking, devastating play in the final two minutes. Mafia fan, admit it. Until Kadarius Tony was practically in the defensive backfield when he lined up. What were you thinking? When you saw Kelsey throw that ball over, you had to be thinking, Oh my gosh, not again. Don't get it twisted. Right? Do not get it twisted, Mafia. I'm not trying to take away your dub. I'm not trying to harsh your buzz. Especially not after a very bizarre and very stressful week. Y'all earned that win. And it was a big win. And it did keep your season alive. And no, I am not about to pull a Patrick Mahomes here and say that the refs snatched that game with one of the worst calls ever. Because I don't think they did. And I don't think it was. Not only was that not the worst call ever, it's not even a bad call. It was clearly the right call. It's just hard to completely ignore that Buffalo did still cough up another crazy play to the Chiefs that could have easily cost them another game in the last two minutes. I mean, Mafia, imagine how you'd be feeling right now if you had to endure that again. And you should have endured that again and would have, if not for Kadarius Tony. The Bills were a Kadarius Tony offsides from this play being the latest chapter in the. Buffalo can never, ever finish Saga. They send another blitz, selling out. Flag on the play, might be a free one. They've got Kelsey at the 30, Kelsey 25, angling back, 20. Now he's going to
2: lateral it back at the 15-yard line. It's Tony, 10, 5, touchdown, Kansas City. They mess around in practice with this all the time. It's going to go with a 49-yard touchdown. Kelsey, the old University of Cincinnati quarterback,
1: Offense
2: lined up in the neutral zone.
0: Five-yard penalty. Check it out. Off
2: sides by the offense lined up in the neutral zone.
0: Who was it on? On Kadarius. Oh my goodness. Who else would that have been on? What do you mean who was that on? Who else would that have been on? Hey, Avi. I don't want that record scratch to get lost in all of that. That was nice. Can I have that one more time?
1: Send another blitz. Selling out. Flag on the play. Might be a free one. They've
0: got Kelsey. Actually, I just wanted the a record scratch. Kelsey but go ahead. Angling back. It's going to go with a 49-yard touchdown. Kelsey, the old University of Cincinnati quarterback. There you go. Offense. You want five to talk about a record five scratch. Five a seriously incredible play. Too bad it doesn't count. By the offense? <laughs> like he's oh incredulous. Offsides? By the offense? Yeah, well, that's not going to count. And by the way, nor should that count. Of course that should not count. Tony was blatantly lined up offsides. Who wasn't on? And if we're going to constantly murder the ref show for blaming calls or blowing calls, we can't be murdering the ref show when they actually get one right. And look, y'all know I hate the ref show. Pretty much we all hate the ref show. We're all tired of the ref show, and it's never a good thing when the ref show decides a game. But, you can't really go crazy on the ref show for getting one right. They got that one right. Even if Patrick Mahomes himself could not wait to go crazy on the ref show, on the field, and then after the game during his presser. For him
3: to throw that flag, no explanation, no anything. And I, I saw the picture, and I mean, he probably is, I mean, barely off barely sides. But for him to, to take the game into his hands over a, a call like that, that doesn't affect the play at all at all didn't affect anything um i mean it's just tough man and like i said man that's a hall of fame tight end making a hall of fame play that won't be shown because we threw a flag on for an offensive offsides
0: and so it takes away from not only this game and this season but from are you craving some protein after a good workout probably so listen this time don't make a shake Do not eat a bar. Grab instead a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. That's my go-to. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and it's tender and it's made from real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. Plus, Old Trapper is a family-owned business. I know this family, and I know they take smoked beef extremely seriously so you can taste it in every single bite. I mean, who wants dried? rough beef in a bag nobody it's like eating an old shoe old trapper though is the real deal and it comes in four amazing flavors old-fashioned teriyaki peppered and hot and spicy so the next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime anywhere grab some old trapper beef jerky look for it in the clear view bag look for it in major retail stores near you if you don't see it just ask for it by name because no other jerky compares old trapper what's your beef
3: a legendary career that Travis has had and I mean that hurts me because I know
1: how, how hard he works for it
0: I mean Kermit my man I love you dude that's a bad take you normally do not hear that guy get that worked up and he rarely gets caught up in such a bad look his family sure but not him that's a bad look he spit out a lot of words right there But the only ones that mattered were the ones about how the call was probably right. He did cop to that. It's probably right. The thing is, the call wasn't probably right. It absolutely was right. It was obvious. As I mentioned, this dude damn near lined up in the defensive backfield on the most important play in the game. The refs did not cost you that game. Tony did. Because the guy couldn't bother to even locate the ball or the line of scrimmage. Or maybe he just temporarily lost his mind and thought that he played free safety for Buffalo. And that's why he was lined up halfway down the field. The refs are not the reason you've lost four of six, KC. That kind of bleep is. I repeat, the refs are not the reason you've lost four out of six. That kind of bleep is. Yes, it was unfortunate. No, you don't want to see a game end like that. But it was so obvious. It erased an amazing play, sure. But that's what going brain dead at the worst possible time does. It wrecks game-changing, if not season-changing plays. It's not the ref show's job to take Hall of Fame legacy into consideration and look the other way, obviously. And yes, I know, Chiefs fan, you're going to come up in here and say they owed him a warning. He's supposed to get a warning. Not when you're that far offside, you don't get a warning. Hey, 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 Rome, they never call that. Yes, they do. They do. They've called that double-digit times this year. They are calling it now. They're making actually an emphasis of calling that. So, no. And believe me, I would be the first one to tell you that you got jammed by the ref show, and the ref show cost you that game, but it didn't. Could Kadarius Tony be any dumber in that situation? Or any more of a mess? Could the Chiefs' wide receivers be any more of a disaster? Just when you think they couldn't possibly be having a worse season, something even more absurd happens, like lining up offsides for one of the most critical plays of the entire year. Hey, listen, that play could be the difference between Mahomes having to play a playoff game on the road or not for the first time ever. But can we be real? We all know that this guy snapped, but what was he snapping on? The ref show? Or maybe was it not about the ref show? And it's also about a lot more than just Tony being offsides and going brain dead. I would say that Mahomes has been crazy patient throughout a sloppy mess of a season so far, but this offense has been a dumpster fire around him, and he finally hit his breaking point. And he took it out on the ref show. Chiefs fan, I will tell you the same thing that I told you last week about the non-PI call you're all crying about and whining about. Chiefs fan, since when do you need this much help? Since when do you need the refs to constantly bail you out? Since when did the Mahomes-led Chiefs need to beg and cry and plead for flags every single week? Oh, my goodness. Like I said last week, the Chiefs have way bigger problems than the ref show, and it's never been more obvious than right now. And those problems just bailed out the Bills big time because the Bills are always on the other side of that. So, Mafia, your season is still alive. I'm not going to say that saved their season, but it kept their season alive. Mafia, no names mentioned Margot, please do not call up and come up in here crying again today. Let's go to Buffalo. Margot in Buffalo. Margot, what's going on?
2: Hello, and it's a somber hello, Jim. I said last week we were sick of it, right? But why is it always Ghana? And everybody saying no, it's. Let's go for McDermott. Why is it always the Chiefs? Ghana. That's fine and dandy. Ghana. Because you have waited until after Ghana. one of the most important Chiefs games coming up. Refs. I mean, it's the beginning of the week. Ghana. It's Von Miller. <gasps> and close it in the end. Why is it always week, Ghana? It's Sean McDermott. Why is it always the refs? It's crushing for the Bills Mafia. You always want to know how we're feeling.
0: Oh, I can tell, it's pretty, Margo.
2: Pretty bad. The first time I called you, Jim, was in February of 2020, and the Bills lost. Who will lost ever forget that Kansas call? The city and Tom Brady me. won the Super Bowl, and you said to me,
0: "Who will ever forget that? Must have been like hour two, second segment, the day, and the jungle not, changed forever." It's
2: not going to come. Why is it always gonna, gonna? John McDermott does have a record of six and zero. Oh
0: She's still going
2: after the after the buys. So there's hope. There is still hope for the mafia. Thanks, I I
0: got it, Alvin, thank you.
2: He could have waited, and now it can't be undone.
0: Cody in Chicago. Hey, Cody, how are you?
1: How's it going, Jimmy? Good. Uh, speaking from experience, because I, I'm a Bears fan, I know what pain and agony on quarterbacks' faces look like. I think, I think Mahomes is too good, uh, too mature to confront somebody and tell it the real issue. The real issue is Matt Nagy. He gets too cute. His stupid junior varsity play calling. If you look at last year, they, they had the red zone uh, efficiency was way up. Now it's like bottom half. And I think Patrick Mahomes is just fed up, but he doesn't know how to say it. So I think it's just more than what it actually is. Hey, Cody, let me jump in. Yes and no.
0: Yes, I agree with you. Patrick is fed up. He snapped. But no. Cody, are you still complaining about Matt Nagy? Do he let that go. Open phones right now. We go to Wichita. Kurt in Wichita. Kurt, what's going on?
3: Hey, what's happening, Rome? Uh, First time, long time. Thanks for the vine. Listen, we got to get off Kermit and Andy. Very emotional loss right there. Props to the Bills. They're always tough to beat. But listen, you stick a a microphone in the guy's face, eventually he's going to crack when what's going on is going on. His wide receiver is letting him down all year. So, hey, get off of him. We're going to be just fine in the long run. Uh, it'll just make him mad, and he'll come back with, with, with,
0: with more. So, all you guys out there cracking on on Patrick, get off the boy. I'm out. Here's the thing. Kurt, appreciate you. He obviously, he's like long time first time. That obviously was enough to get him to call. 8686. Let's go to Youngstown, Tom. Great to have you, Tom. How are you? Well, me, how's it going, buddy? Great, dude. How about you?
2: It's pretty good, although I'm a Chiefs fan since the Buck Buchanan, Curly Culp, uh, Willie Lanier days. And let me just tell you this forget that call. When you're, I played in the high level sports on the Hall of Fame of my high school and college. This is what happens when it starts to get away from you. You start blaming everything else. But the biggest point in that play was. Tony was loafing, pissed off he didn't get the ball. That's the only reason he was even standing there. So they should address that and not the refs.
0: My man. All right. So that's the Chiefs fans saying it's not the refs, it's Tony. U.S. Cellular wants to help everybody get the gift of connection this holiday season. Already a customer? This applies to you, too, because right now, new and current customers can get any phone, and I mean any phone, for free. Yes, really free. Sounds like it's time to make the switch. Spread holiday cheer far and wide this season with a new phone. Everybody can get the gift of connection at U.S. Cellular. Get any phone free today. U.S. Cellular, built for us. Terms apply. Visit uscellular.com. For details, I got to throw Zach Wilson some credit, some bleeping credit for real. Not for only real. Did the Jets, hammer the Texans. Zach Wilson straight up outplayed C.J. Stroud, who finally looked like a rookie and also looked pretty seriously concussed. As far as him finally looking like a rookie, that was inevitable. That had to happen. He was going to have a day like that, especially against a defense like that. The greater concern is not that he had that bad day, but that he might have a bad concussion. He's in the protocol right now. Hopefully, he's all right. Because the Texans have got to have that dude. They need him badly, especially now if they find themselves in the middle of a giant pile of seven and six teams in the AFC. And did anybody see that kind of game coming from the Coug Hunter? Nobody would have ever guessed that the C.H. would outshine the C.J., And especially not after the week he just had. Not after Zachary got dragged all week long for the report that he didn't even want to play. And that he was afraid of getting injured. You know, the epitome of for who, for what? Well, it looked like he wanted to play to me. He didn't look like he was afraid of getting hurt to me. Not while he was putting up the Jets for his 300-yard passing game in 16 games. I can't believe I'm about to say what I'm about to say, but the Kook Hunter looked pretty damn good. He really did. And I'm not saying it means that we need a call from Eddie in NYC to drop another baby boy on me and do a victory lap. In fact, Eddie, I I would not do that if I were you. I I think that if you do that, Eddie, and I know you want to do that, it's going to go badly for you. Baby boy. Because you were nowhere to be found, baby boy. When that dude was taking a big dump in his pants. Baby boy. Don't do it, Eddie. I I say that because I like you. It would be in your own best interest not to make a phone call and say, I told you so, baby boy.
3: What's up, baby boy?
0: But I got to give it to Zach. He did look good. He actually looked really good. Because as he put it, he actually played some real QB yesterday. Hate to say it, but it is, again, the epitome of Coach Sirianni's less thinking equals talent takeover. Less
1: thinking equals talent takeover.
0: Nobody ever said that Zachary was not talented. Actually, Robert Sala put it another way, and I like this actually a lot. Sala, I haven't liked everything he's done of late. In fact, there's a lot of things that he has said and done of late that I didn't care for. But I like this. Sala himself quoted Ice-T afterwards and said that Zach's approach was just, quote, F it. Bleep it. F it. And that's exactly what the Kook Hunter did with it. He went out there, he played loose, and he just let it rip.
1: The flow of just playing football today, you know, was there. And I, and I can't say it's been like that a lot, unfortunately, in my career here. And that's what we're that's what we're searching for right there is just playing ball, just moving the football, just completing passes, and you know um, that's what we're always hunting for.
0: <laughs> it's a pretty low bar for a guy who was taken second overall in the NFL draft. Quote: just moving the ball. Quote: just completing passes. It's a pretty low bar for a guy like that. But then again, because it is that guy, it's also a bar that he had not been able to clear this season. So if that's what it takes, fine. He has not been able to clear the most basic bar of all. Just moving the football and completing passes. But neither has any other Jet QB for that matter. So you know what? As much heat as that guy has taken here and everywhere else, it was good to see him finally complete some passes, finally move the ball, even if it came in a game where I did not expect it. He had himself a day. That was his best day as a pro. So big ups to you, Zach. You earned that. He played big. As surprising as the Coug Hunter was, I have to admit, though, Joe Flacco torching the Jags is even more surprising, even if the Jags were fraudulent and nowhere near the team we thought they were but we're talking about a guy who's about to turn 39. A dude who got up off the couch, came in off the streets, and as I mentioned, when he retired, he retired for good reason. He sucked. He did not look good at all. And then all of a sudden, this dude just shows up and reinvigorates, rejuvenates the Browns at age 38, You're 39. That's got to be one of the most shocking quarterback twists ever. And again, I understand... That, that is a team led by its defense. But the guy still is making plays. Even if they don't need him to make plays, he made a lot of plays yesterday. How the hell is this guy doing this? Honestly, how the hell is Joe Flacco doing this? How is it that the answer to stabilizing that Cleveland offense is really Joe freaking Flacco? How crazy is it that that guy's better than the creep? That's no hot take. He is. He's better than the creep. How is it that Joe Flacco is the best quarterback the Browns have run out there this year? How is it that the Browns as a team look like they're going to be a problem in the playoffs? Not a problem, but a problem with Joe Flacco leading the way. I'm telling you, this guy looked like garbage when he retired. But now he just walks in off the street and not only provides the stability they needed, but is making plays, putting up numbers, and they don't even need him to do that. They don't need this guy to show up and show out. They just need this guy to take care of the rock. But he's giving them all of the above, and suddenly Brown's fan has an actual reason to believe. And so does Brown's teammate. Miles Garrett, of all guys, is even getting caught up in the hype. Even Miles Garrett is wacko for Flacco. He's elite. I mean, it's, it's a dragon, man.
2: I, I can't explain it, man. You know, picks up the playbook, scans through it, he downloads it, and comes out here throw for three hundred. A guy, the guy is special, and uh, you know, it's nice having someone like that.
0: That's incredible. That is a great quote. I love that. He's elite. He's a dragon dragon, man. He looks at the playbook. He downloads it. He's special. I want to hear that one more time, Alvin. That is an amazing quote. That's Miles he's Garrett.
2: He's elite. I mean, this a dragon, man. I, I can't explain to it, man. You know, picks up the playbook, scans through it, he downloads it, and comes out here throw for three hundred. The guy the guy is special and uh you know, it's nice having someone like that.
0: He's a dragon, man. Hey, listen, I don't know how much of that is serious and how much of that is trolling. I mean, you have to start with the is Joe Flacco elite conversation elite. yet again. I mean, that conversation was absurd enough at that time. But having it 10 years after the fact would be completely nuts. But he called him elite. He's he elite. called him special. He called him a dragon, man. a dragon man. He's a dragon, man. I love it. He's elite, and he's a dragon. Maybe it's just me, but I don't recall Miles heaping that kind of praise earlier this season on Deshaun Watson. Watson? I don't remember any of them calling him a dragon. I don't remember any of them saying he's elite. I don't remember any of them saying he's special. Nobody ever called the $230 million man, quote, a dragon. I mean, again, got to tip my hat to Flacco. It's amazing. Dude, the guy threw for three touchdowns and over 300 yards, and they didn't even need that from him. Nice to know that he's got that in him and still has that so-called arm talent, too. I'm telling you, the incredible thing is they're scarier with him. What he's doing is crazy, and the craziest part is even though this dude's about to turn 39 or will in the playoffs— They're even scarier with him. This is why Kevin Stefanski could not wait to name that dude the starter for the rest of the season. Hell, Kevin, why stop there? You should have named him starter next season, too. He should have just come right out and said, hey, we have ourselves, our starter for the rest of the year, Joe Flacco. Oh, and next year, too. We have our franchise quarterback. It's 39-year-old Joe Flacco. We have our guy. It's incredible. Joe Flacco is out here downloading the playbook. Downloads
2: it and comes out here to throw for three hundred. guy. throwing
0: for three hundred. Deshaun Watson's out here downloading massage porn and throwing Watson. for zero. Watson allegedly. I'm telling you, this guy knows. Stefanski. Of course, he named him the starting quarterback the rest of the way. He already knows the offense better than anybody they have. Things are actually looking up in Cleveland with Joe Flacco. I wish I could say the same about Detroit and Jacksonville. Good for you, Joe. Hey, I mean, he he is the best quarterback story in the league right now. This is why it's so alarming to see, because look at Cleveland. Look at all the critical parts they've lost, and they're right there. What's that say about the Jags? What's that say about the Lions? especially the Lions. The Lions have barely been scraping by, and it's been over a month now. Every time I have somebody on and I talk about the Lions, it's like, yeah, but, yeah, but. I've been, yeah, butting them for over a month after hyping them. Yesterday, though, they didn't scrape by. They got their asses kicked by the Bears of all teams. And they were an undisciplined mess in the process. I've got no idea how Dan Campbell's team is such an undisciplined mess this far into the season. But it is definitely alarming. And it's definitely alarming when Jared Goff gets badly outplayed by Justin Fields. Chicago doesn't even know if they're going to draft a quarterback or if they have their quarterback. And yet he totally outplayed Goff. Mm. Honestly, the Lions, to me, could not have looked any less interested Than they did, or didn't. And like I said, when I jumped on the X to see the reaction, it seemed like a pretty, I don't want to say a large portion, but there was a very vocal portion of Lions fans that were beside themselves and couldn't wait to fire everybody, including Dan Campbell. Let's not get crazy. There there are concerns, but let's not get crazy. You're not firing Dan Campbell. The guy changed the whole culture of the building. There are no turds there, but you know what? You played like turds yesterday. Definitely there's concern, but you want alarming. I'll give you alarming. Nothing is as alarming as when Jack Savage shows up in your house, because that probably means a Bengals dub is about to occur. Savage, much to my chagrin, I had no idea. But Then again, you never have any idea which Savage He's a killer. Then I throw, throw up the X, and there's Savage just talking junk, turning the phone around on himself, being a savage. This dude was in attendance for another massive win yesterday, delivering the jungle karma in person. So, Cincy, you're welcome. I think they're unbeaten when he's in the house. So don't thank Jake Browning for saving your season. Don't even thank Savage for catching a game while he was on some sort of, I'm sure, covert op in the natty. Just thank the jungle karma that got personally delivered cross country this week. Incredibly enough, their season did not end when Joe Burrow went down. They're still alive. Who's not alive? At this point, other than the Patriots. Wide ass open. 1-800-636-8686. Let me get some reaction in quickly. One four three c one Ward Joe Flacco's best moment with the Browns since his call to the jungle. Good to have you on the show, Joe. What's up? Hey, Jim. How you doing today? Good, good. How about you? Yeah, this is Joe Flacco. I heard Martellus canceled, so I thought I'd give you a call. See, that's absolutely incredible. Joe Flacco. You know, not to be insulting, what jersey number do you wear?
3: Joe Flacco, number five.
0: Okay. What college did you go to? Delaware, Blue Hens. Okay. What is your wife's name? Deborah. Deborah? Well, I call her Debbie, but... Okay, well, really, because the rest of us call her Dana, but whatever. She is your wife. How many sons do you have? I've got two boys. What are their names? Joe Jr. and Joe the Third. That's good call. Oh, no. so close! You don't like he almost me. pulled it off. Hey. Very call. Clones love that call. Chris in Milwaukee. Jimmy, Joe Junior, Joe the Third, and I are so proud of my husband's performance with the Browns this year. We knew he could play at a high level again. Signed Deborah, and No Cal Vic is in. Quote, I'm proud of you, men. Just like Eric and Lyle, you set your sights, aimed true at your target, and finally took down the people who've been keeping you down for years. Signed Coach McDermott. Did I or did I not say last week that that was going to stick to him forever? No matter what they did. Maybe not forever but you can damn well be sure that was going to jump the week and probably the month and probably the season. Anything short of a Super Bowl win, and that's going to jump the year. That will, that will be a take for all seasons. And one more before I go to break. Hey, Rome, Kadarius Tony needs to take our advice. And... Hold the line. Thanks. Signed, Toto. Mitch from Buffalo. Is that all the Toto I get, Alvy? Thank you. It's incredible how myopic folks get. Hall of Fame players, Hall of Fame coaches, fans. How do you not look at that play? I know you don't want to criticize your own. That, that's more than enough Toto, Alba. Thank you. I wonder if Kadarius also blessed the reins down in Africa. We've already had twice as much Toto, I think, on the show in the last five seconds we've had in the last five years. We're halfway through the last segment in the second hour, so let's get busy. MNF means BHB, or Monday Night Football means Big Head Bets. We have ourselves a rare Monday Night Doubleheader, which of course gives us a chance to get two games wrong instead of the usual one. I mean, tough weekend, yo. Tough weekend, so we have to try to get right. Let me bring in the dude with the enormous cranium, James Bighead Kelly. What's up, dude? How you feeling?
1: how the weekend treat you? Well, I'm uh, feeling good. I'm in a better mood than the Mahomes family is, but not as good as mood as you are. Congrats on your win, I will Thank say. you very much, dude. The, yeah, oh, Ottawa. Was, Ottawa mm-hmm. broke his
0: maiden. That was nice. Very cool. Very cool, since that mm-hmm. made up for all my failed NFL bets. <laughs> And to answer the question, Clones, do you bet your own horses? Yes. Hell yes. Yes, Yes, we do. All right, so we have two games, Head. Thanks for saying so. Mm -hmm. Multiple chances to get paid and a way to start this week on a high note. Are you ready to do this? Hell yes. Titans v. Miami. Of course, we love the Dolphins, and especially against teams that do not have winning records. But do we love them enough to lay two touchdowns? Miami, minus 14, is a huge number against the Titans team. It may not be what it was, but they still have it in them to muck it up and slow people down. Ask me, this is a mother of a pick, 14 points, what are you doing with it?
1: Yeah, huge number here, and it's because it's a massive uh, mismatch on paper. The Dolphins averaged 38 points and 497 yards of total offense at home, while the Titans have the second worst offense on the road in football going up against my guy Vic Fangio's defense, who... Over the last three games have allowed the fewest yards in football, and in the seven of their last eight games, they've given up less than 300 yards per game. Now, Miami's biggest struggle on defense has been in the red zone where they rank 28th in the NFL, but good news here, the Titans' offense is as gassy down there as the guy calling the game tonight in Orvaluski. Not good. They rank 30th in the red zone in offense.
2: Yeah,
1: that guy right there. Yep. The biggest worry for Miami. I'm not even
0: listening to you today, dude. Just
1: do what you're doing. The and biggest I'll wait for you worry to stop. for Miami I don't even turnovers. have it
0: in me to push back
1: on that. <laughs> Go ahead. Turnovers for Miami. Before their win over the ass commanders last week, they turned the ball over six times in the previous two games. But, John Gruden, the Titans have intercepted opposing quarterbacks three times all year, so I like my chances there. Injury concerns what? on both sides. But with the Titans being without their best defender. And Jeffrey Simmons in Miami covering five of their last six at-home ATS, bleep you, Tennessee, Dolphins, minus 14.
0: Ooh. All right, so while I've been beaten and bloody of late, I feel very strongly about this. If you're going to survive in the world of gambling, even recreationally, it's all about discipline. It's all about discipline, having a system or a process. What I'm saying here is, head, you need right. rules. You have to adhere to your rules, always. They have, have to. to be non-negotiable. Are you with me on this? Yes. All right. So after getting burned again last week, I decided my new rule would Mm -hmm. be that hitting double-digit favorites in the NFL just does not work, at Mm -hmm. least not for me. These numbers are just too big in the program too big in the nfl so i'm going to implement a new rule no more double digit points i'm not gonna lay double digits ever regardless ever again and you know what i feel good about that rule i feel confident about that rule Uh, that rule lasted five minutes There goes that rule. I already hate myself for doing this, and I'll be straight. I don't like the play at all, but Uh I do like the Dolphins. I like them at home, and while I don't think for a second that the Titans can win this game, I absolutely think they can grind it out and keep it within 14, but I'm betting that they don't. They have not won on the road. Miami has not lost at home, and while the Dolphins have have not played up and beaten the teams that matter, they do beat down teams that don't. Mm -hmm. I am betting on a blowout minus 14, I will lay the points, I'm riding with Miami, Beautiful. so much for quote my rules, Head Love to see it. Love to see it, Packers v. Giants, sort of interesting, <laughs> Love to see not really, but it's action, and I know you're all about that action, boss, I know mm-hmm. you put all that data into your big head computer, what did it spit out, what is the line, and what's the play on the other game?
1: Yeah, the Packers are favored by six here. The computer is a little worried about Green Bay's injuries, but says to still lay the points with Jordan Love. Dude can further embrace his inner Geno Smith here, as in everyone wrote him off, but he ain't right back. They wrote me off. I ain't right back, though. He is playing damn good football. Over his last three games, he's completed 68% of his passes for eight touchdowns to zero interceptions. Over the last five games, the offense is averaging almost... 390 yards per contest, it's also been balanced with 128 of those yards on the ground. And that bodes well against a Giants defense that ranks 31st in yards per rush. That also fails to get to the quarterback. And as we know, Wink Martindale loves to bring the house, something Jordan Love has handled extremely well all season. On the other side of the ball, yes, over the last three games, the Giants are scoring more than they have all season. But don't be fooled by that. They are averaging the fewest yards in football over that time span with the squatter DeVito at quarterback. Also, the Giants are the worst first quarter scoring team in football. So if the Packers can get ahead, they play into their strengths on defense and getting after the passer. As always with the Giants, respect to your fellow Calabasas Coyote Darnay Holmes. But again, no happy ending. Packers minus six. Easy.
0: Yeah, okay. I was going to say easy, but before I could that... So the Giants have won two straight. Yeah, because that matters. Not when those two wins are over the Commanders and the Patriots. They're a little banged up. They, as you point out, are dead last in scoring this season. In the meantime, the Packers have turned things around. They've won four or five. They are currently the seventh seed in the NFC. Jordan Love has been lights out, as you point out, in the last three wins. It looks like the Packers may have found their quarterback of the future while the Giants are playing some dude they pulled out of the stands. No offense, Tommy DeVito. I'm going to play the road favorite. I'm with you. We're on the same page. Either we both win or we both lose. Run it back. Who are your picks? Shocking little
1: bitches here. Dolphins minus 14 (laughs) v. Titans. Packers minus six at Giants. And if you want a prop, Rashawn Gary over .75 sacks tonight. Like his matchup.
0: I like it. All right, Head. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jim. Let's make some money. Let's make some money. We need it. (laughs) Keith Law. Keith, it's great to have you on. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good, good, good. So let me start with Shohei. He ends up, Keith, with the record-breaking contract, as we all assumed that he would. However, I'm not sure how many people thought that it might have a seven in front of it, as in $700 million. What is your overall reaction to the news?
3: It did blow away my expectations. Like I said, when he got hurt, when he hurt his elbow back in August, I said, you know, he's still going to get paid, right? He's still going to get well compensated, but if you'd asked me over or under $500 million, I don't think I would have taken the over. And obviously he, he blew past that. But based on everything I've ever heard from, especially from people with the Angels, he's probably worth it. They made so much money from having him, just having him on the roster, never mind how much value he produces with his back and when he's healthy with his arm. Just having him on the roster is worth so much to a franchise. The Dodgers may end up making back all or most of his salary before he even plays a game. And then on top of that, he's obviously one of the best players in baseball history and slots right in to give them, I think, the best one, two, three rookie bets, him, Freddie Freeman, whatever order you put them in, one of the best top threes in any lineup this year and probably in the last 10 or 15 years. So I actually think, despite the big number, this is probably going to work out okay for the Dodgers.
0: We were talking to Keith Law. It's funny. I was going to ask you that question. You pretty much answered it. I was going to say, obviously, that's an incredible deal for Otani. But is it a good deal for the Dodgers? And you would say yes.
3: I think so. I think even, look, they're, they're going to need pitching. And I mean for this year. He's not going to pitch until 2025. And they need pitching in the short term. So this can't be the only thing they do this offseason. seems crazy to say, hey, you just spent $70 million. Good job. What's next? But that is kind of what has to happen. Their rotation for this year is pretty weak. That said, they probably have the best lineup in baseball right now. They were second in the NL and runs scored per game last year, and they just got quite a bit better. I mean, they go from J.D. Martinez as the main DH to Shohei Otani. It's worth a couple extra wins right there. They just have to figure out what they're doing next on the pitching side, and then hope Otani comes back and is able to maybe make 20 or so starts in 2025, and then hope years beyond that that he's more of a full-time starting pitcher and that he can get back to the kind of starter he was when healthy before, which obviously makes them substantially better too. But it, it, as much as I think this deal is good for them on the field, they can't be done
0: this off season. Keith Law is joining us, Keith, I'm not trying to be redundant, but you're one step ahead of me on all these things. I was going to say to you, we know he's not going to pitch next year. Let me ask you this. Number one, Do we know that the procedure that he underwent was a Tommy John procedure? Do we know that? And number two, how do you think he does project as a pitcher in 25 and beyond? So we
3: don't know. It's a great question. And someone even asked in the comments under my article today on The Athletic, why won't anyone say it was Tommy John? Because we don't know for sure. We know he had damage to the UCL, but we don't know what the actual surgery was. And a lot of pitchers, if it's only a partial tear to the ligament, opt for an internal brace, which gives the ligament a chance to heal itself. If it's a full Terry, you have no choice. You have to have Tommy John or you're done. We just don't know which he had. It does seem like the timeline, the fact that he's supposed to be able to come back and hit in spring training and be on the roster on April 1st, that would imply it wasn't a full Tommy John, but I don't want to say that for sure because I I just don't know. Either way, I would say after he misses what's going to be 18-plus months before he's actually pitching in games again, I would say keep your expectations just for innings low for 2025 because also because he's a full-time hitter he can't go out and rehab in August September make the usual rehab starts in the minors go to instructs or pitch in fall league like someone who is only a pitcher would be able to do And so I do think that's going to hold him back in terms of how quickly he can ramp back up his innings and that may make him like I said maybe he's a 18 to 20 starts in 2025 it's not until twenty twenty six that you can talk about him as a full member of the Dodgers rotation.
0: We are talking to Keith Law. So Keith, obviously, because there's never been a player like this ever before and probably never will be ever again, is this particular signing good or bad for the sport overall?
3: I know non Dodgers fans probably don't want to hear this, but I think having the, you know, he might be the best player in the history of the sport. He is certainly the most interesting in, you know, maybe the the he's a unicorn right there's there's no other word for it he is unique we have never seen a player like this i told my kids i don't expect to see a player like this again having him in a marquee with a marquee team like the dodgers in a huge media market i think that's probably good for the sport and i know that's not the best thing to say for competitive balance it's not something fans of small market teams want to hear but i do think the sport is generally healthier when at least some of our big market teams are good and when some of our superstars play for some of the most famous teams or the teams in the biggest markets. It doesn't have to all be that way. But a little bit of a skew in that direction, I think, is better for the overall health of the sport because we are trying to attract younger fans, try to bring a new generation of fans in as the existing fan base ages. And Otani is the kind of exciting player who I think, I think he can do that. I think he can generate new interest in the sport for people who maybe haven't followed it much or have only been casual fans so far.
0: I agree with you 100% on that point. Keith Law is joining us. I absolutely agree with that. You know, you mentioned a couple of teams that missed on him. What about mm-hmm. the Angels? Like the Angels, frankly, they're not far from where I'm broadcasting from. hate to say it, but they were kind of a mess with Otani. Where does that leave them without Otani?
3: I mean, they just went all in the last couple of years, with figuring we've got Trout, we've got Otani, we have to go for it. I agreed with that. I agreed with Honestly, just strip mining the farm system just to try to eke out one playoff appearance with those guys that weren't able to do it for a whole host of reasons. But I do think the biggest one is probably the owner. Now they're in a situation where you've got Trout, who's probably past his peak and hasn't been able to play full seasons for several years now. You have no Alchani. You lose him basically for just a draft pick, which is not going to help the team next year. And the farm system's in really bad shape because. They've traded so many guys. They've lost picks. They've traded prospects. They are just it, – it, it, they're in a bad way, and they need to tear it down. And they, I know Perry Manassian said we're not trading Mike Trout. Absolutely not. They need to consider trading Mike Trout. They should probably be trading just about everybody at this point and doing a full rebuild. I know the owner doesn't want it. I'm sure people in the front office don't want it, but I don't see how this team returns to contention unless they admit it's over. That window is closed it's time to turn
0: the roster over Hmm. and one more thought about the Angels. your point that they went all in and you're okay with that I agree let me ask you this though was it okay to hold him and lose him and get nothing in return or financially were they going to run this thing out as far as they possibly could in other words it was pretty clear right what he wanted he wanted to play for a winner he wanted to get paid he wanted the good weather he was not going to resign there should they have moved him and gotten something for him
3: baseball answer is absolutely. They should have put him and probably Trout out there in, over the summer. Now, Trout was hurt, so obviously that impacted his value. But Otani, for sure, in July, before, we knew, before he had either of his injuries, either the elbow injury that stopped him from pitching or I think it was an oblique injury that stopped him from hitting. You know, in July, he was healthy and productive and would have fetched something on the trade market. Even if for just two months, he's worth so much on and off the field. They would have gotten a decent return for him. I wonder, and I don't know the answer to this, Did They just keep him because he's worth so much money. Another two-plus months of having him on the roster is worth so much in merchandise and corporate signage and sponsorships that they said, yeah, we we don't care about the two prospects we'll get in return. We'd rather take the $20 million in additional revenue we're getting because if he's gone, no one's coming to the games. And suddenly we lose a good bit of revenue instead.
0: I, I don't know the answer to that either. I just assume that. I assume that that's what that was, and that would make sense, Mm -hmm. right? So let me finally ask you this. What about the deal? Like, it's a historic deal for a unicorn. Is it an outlier in the sense that, I mean, yeah, for the amount, but like Juan Soto, the Yankees trade for him, and he's going to enter his prime. When he comes Mm -hmm. up, like, has this reset the market? Will there be other major, major deals as a result, or is this just a major outlier?
3: I think it's a major outlier because he's so unique on the field, but also off that he has because he's, Japanese, and the oh, allowing a team to advertise into the Japanese market, sell corporate signage, sponsorships, and so on to Japanese firms, knowing that the audience for those games is going to be enormous. Any game he's in is going to be enormous over in Japan. No other player can really bring that to the table. One Soto, right now, I think would be the best free agent on the market next winter. My guess is he gets a deal that's a little better than all those huge deals we saw a year ago, right? Judge and Turner and Bogart's. My guess, he tops those because the market at the top always tends to move upwards. But I don't think that Otani's deal resets the market, or, and I don't think, I'm sure Scott Boris will try, but I don't think that you can point to Otani and say this is an indicator of what Juan Soto should be getting.
0: So, Kid, one last thought because you were a special assistant <laughs> to the GM of the Blue Jays. Like, was it always going to be this? Did we inevitably know that he was going to come to L.A.? Or was Toronto really in the hunt, and they take a big swing, and did they have a shot?
3: It certainly seems that, I mean, they think they did. Um, I think they always knew they were a little bit of an underdog, right? The expectation was always that he would go to the Dodgers, or at least that the Dodgers were the favorites, right? But if somebody made a better financial offer and Toronto, it's a very global city with a really diverse population. Their games are broadcast through almost all of Canada. There's a lot of reasons why a global star would choose to go to Toronto. I don't think it was ridiculous that they were courting him, and and I believe – that they were serious players, at least until some point in the very end of the process. It just always seemed like he was an L.A. guy. He wanted to stay on the West Coast. Supposedly, he's got a house. We're building a house in Newport Beach. Gets an easier access to go back and forth to Japan. He's got some comfort level, having lived in the L.A. area for several years. They, de- they had some natural advantages that I don't think any other team was really going to be able to beat, especially once they came in with what I'm sure was the highest financial offer.
0: He is a senior baseball writer for The Athletic. He is the author of Smart Baseball and The Inside Game. A former special assistant to the GM of the Toronto Blue Jays, Keith Law, coming in and breaking it all down. Keith, thank you very much. Great job by you, and I appreciate the conversation. My pleasure. Good
2: night.